This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Know Your Company. Got 25 to 75 people in your company? Check out knowyourcompany.com, software that helps companies like Airbnb know their company better. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Cody Melcher, and he talks to me about his love of the American Revolution and Enlightenment. Uh, I don't think that it could be one or the other. I think he talks enough about both that's kind of about both. We focus a lot on the Enlightenment and like kind of how it uh, is reflected in today's politics. So if you want a break from that, I would not recommend this conversation, but I do think it's very insightful a uh, funny conversation about um, politics and uh, how they kind of stem out of the way the country was founded. And Cody has some great insights, some great knowledge. He just went on a, a small tour uh, of a lot of the colonial states. So he has uh, a lot of uh, recent, um, you know, memories and stories from those uh trips so this was a great combo as a result if you'd like to uh, see some of the things that Cody mentions during the podcast uh, check out he has a, a small kickstarter going for star spangled sitcoms it's uh, <laughs> some plays he wrote that are um, episodes of like Cheers and Frasier but if they were about um, the founding fathers so they're called Huzzah and John Adams um, good stuff I know you're already in on the ground floor so look that up support it check out the show uh, he also has a solo show a one man show however you want to refer to it uh, called Infallit Infelicitas Veritas. I hope I said it right. That's coming up at Under the Gun Theater on Thursdays at 9. I don't know the exact date, but look them up. You know, it sounds great, right? Another thing that you can look up that Cody runs is the Tome Foolery podcast. It comes out every other week. Uh, myself and past guest of MBSing, a dear friend of mine and uh, manager of the Chicago Podcast Co-op, of which... Um, MBSing is a part were guests on Tomefoolery with Cody. We read a book about Wicca Covens. It was great. Claire and I legitimately both loved it for reasons that you may not expect. It has a lot to do with group dynamic and um, finding a good leader. I don't know. Good tips. Hot takes. Check out Tomefoolery when it comes out on 10-15. October 15th. So if you're listening to this after that, it's already out. Look it up. Uh, the big thing that I want to talk about where Cody and I are concerned is that we're sharing a slot at the upcoming Chicago Podcast Festival. That is on November 19th at 2 p.m. at the Steppenwolf Theater. Uh, Cody is first up in our slot. I will follow him. Another wonderful podcast called Chewing uh, is following us. You can get tickets and find more information about that show and the other shows in the Chicago Podcast Festival at chicagopodcastfestival.org. I'm really excited about that. Cody is too. So this is a, a fun way to kind of start the uh, countdown to the festival uh, that's happening from the 17th to the 19th of November. The lineup is very cool. 
I'm very, very happy and excited to be a part of it. One more podcast related, no, two more, two more podcast related things. Cross pollination, you guys, get used to it. I am a part of another project called The Probe. We are releasing eight episodes of a season about a uh, student body presidential election at a high school. We made it all up. Uh, it's mostly improvised, but it is edited and presented in the format, kind of like serial, like a, a magazine-style, uh, week-by-week storytelling uh, 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 podcast. Does that make sense? You know serial is, right? Serial? Everybody knows. Everybody knows serial. Check out The Probe. It's a good show. Um, one of my co-producers and my co-host for The Probe podcast, which you can find anywhere that you listen to this show, I mean, aside from the, if you like streaming it on the Nerdlocks website, you can't find it there. Uh, but you can listen to it on iTunes, you can listen to it on Stitcher, um, uh, Google Play is something we've added to our repertoire. You can Google it and just uh, listen to it streaming off Libsyn. Guys, so many options. One of my co-producers and co-hosts, Lisa Burton, is joining the Nerdlocks for your stories this Sunday night October 16th at the Offices of Cards Against Humanity. That's 1917 North Elston. They have a small theater there. We will be doing a live recording of the Nerdalogs podcast, Your Stories, also a part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op, also a part of the Chicago Podcast Festival. Dang, so much going on, you guys. So much audio for you to intake. Lisa will be joining us because she has a show called Scare Blast where she releases a, a, a scary movie podcast discussion from one friend that she had every day for the month of October. So every single day in October, you can listen to a conversation that Lisa had with someone about a scary movie. So we invited Lisa to do your stories because we're calling it Horror Stories, the October edition of your stories is horror stories. She will be telling a creepy story about um, the house she lives in. And she has invited a number of other of her past guests of Scare Blast uh, to do the show with us, uh, including past guest of NBSing Tyler Patterson. I hope you can make it. Hope I didn't have a false... Hope this isn't a false plug. Hope that's a real plug. Shout out to Tyler Patterson anyway. Uh, I think that's all I've got. You can listen to that episode of Your Stories in a few weeks, even if you cannot make the live show this Sunday night, October 16th at 7 p.m. at 1917 North Elston. You can find more information about all this stuff on, on the internet. Do, does anyone, like, actually jot down something they hear from this kind of intro? Uh, if you do, you're a better person than I. Um, I just try to remember and like look it up later uh anyway this is a great conversation this was a very rambling introduction um uh, maybe you just skipped it if you wanted to get to the meat and bones and if you did i don't blame you because you're gonna enjoy the show thanks yeah oh no i do that on time fuller um, but yeah especially if it's someone i know Coming into it, I'm so guilty of just like striking up a conversation. It's it's one of those moments where you respect um, what 
Pete Holmes does oh, <laughs> in yeah. terms of podcasting because the dude will just have the mics on and like already have headphones on when his get well like it also helps that he has like a whole producing team right like a studio people just walk in yeah right where yeah. like he can just be in the studio and someone else went to get his guest you know yeah. what I mean and, I always like the uh, um uh, uh, uh Mark Marin. Where the guest is never sure if it started. Yeah. Like there's always at the beginning of the Mark Norm, I mean the Mark Mar- Mark Maron one where the guest is like, wait, are we recording now? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've been talking for too long. And but- I, I did that a couple times like when I used to just have them uh, have people at my house with like a condenser mic. Yeah. Because it's so much easier because uh, it's just like in the room anyway. Right. You know? and, and no one's really like paying attention to what they're talking into. Um, <laughs> but at this point... Yeah, it's there's a distinction between like we are talking off mic and we are talking on mic, right. and y- you are so right in that we we had a whole podcast conversation before this. Yeah, uh, we talked about podcasts it, and we talked about politics. <laughs> Either of those could have individually been their own episode. <laughs> so that was the problem I had coming into this was I didn't know what topic to choose. That's literally when I when I messaged you in the first place. I was like, I have no concept of what Cody will talk about because I feel like you are just like a plethora of like passions and interests and that's and knowledge. yeah i mean i i i uh, uh i did so uh based into what we're going to be talking about i just did like a whole tour of the right. south basically right um and so i did i bought a bunch of stuff at gift shops at national park gift shops because of course i would and uh, uh um i did a haul video for my youtube channel that's amazing and i was while going through it i was explaining why i bought certain <laughs> items and i was like well i have a collection of this <laughs> And during it, I realized that I said that like five times about oh, different. No. I have too many like collections that are all unrelated to each other entirely. And I do. I have a lot of different collections. Uh, and so, yeah, that was the problem was like I've always considered myself. It always sounds kind of like a, you know, a douchey thing to say. But it's like I, I, I know a lot about a lot. Like sure. I, I, I'm a deep I'm a deep reader on several different topics. See, I'm a I'm a I'm a wide and shallow. Like I know a little about a lot. I wish I could be more like that because the problem like I buy 10 books per book I buy oh god because I instead of like I my New Year's resolution this year, which I didn't follow, one of my New Year's resolutions <laughs> this year was to, instead of purchasing a book on a topic, to read the Wikipedia on the topic. That's funny. Because I'll, I'll go like, oh yeah, what did happen between like, uh, you know, this, this like the Middle Ages and the Franco-Prussian War? Uh, and so I'll buy a book that's just like about that time period and uh, then I won't get around to reading it because... I've I've because I buy like five other, other books. Things. Yeah, like right now. Um, well, like before I left, I went to the bookstore and I bought like a book on Catherine the Great. I bought a book on um, the Habsburg dynasty in general. <laughs> I bought a book on um, pre 1600s America. Oh my gosh. Uh, like, and just like we, and the random stuff all over the place. And mm-hmm. it's like you know, uh, uh, I really like um, early Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So it's like. I bought I bought books where it was just like it looked like I was doing research for five different papers that I was writing, <laughs> and I I don't yeah and so like I, I I get around to reading a lot of them but not everything sure but I need to um I need to learn to like just read the Wikipedia article on yeah, it or be something. knowledgeable at least on an operating level yeah if not a uh, just like go on the websites you don't yeah. need to buy a book over it although sure. I have recently while I was on the trip I got really uh, invested in uh and I'll and I'll let, I'll, let, I'll I'll clarify we'll jump further into the actual topic but sure. I got really into Dylan's regiment which was a a, a regiment of Brit- of uh, Irish soldiers who fought in the French army in the American Revolution on the American side 
Amazing. So, yeah, so it's a regiment of Irishmen. Dillons. Dillons. D-I-L-L-O-N apostrophe S. Yeah. Dillons Regiment. They are Irish who fought, uh, they were part of the French military who fought with the French, uh, on the French side, on the American For side. For the U.S. Yeah. That's in awesome. In the American Revolution. Uh, and so I've got really obsessed with them because my grandmother raised me to be super Irish. Uh, so funny. And so, yeah, so like my Twitter, my Twitter profile picture right now is a Dillons Regiment soldier. Oh, um, that's which great. is kind of confusing because they had red jackets. They had uh, red jackets with gold. Oh, so it looks like a British, British. soldier. Sure. Yeah. Well, because the Americans also had red because the um, the messengers and the standard bearers and drummers wore red, um, so you could find them quickly. Right. Like, sure. You, like the people who would carry the bodies off too and stuff like that. You wanted those people, so they wore Standing red up. too. So there were so the red coats weren't always just the British. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody had different colored coats. The <laughs> French were all in white, and they were weird. But. <laughs> That's I remember a, learning that's that. That's a weird thing to wear in battle, but okay. Yeah. Makes you kind of easy to see. L- leave it to the French. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, they had like pink and like white. Yeah, uh, yeah there was great stories about um, the French soldiers uh, where American soldiers kept thinking that like messenger, like there was a French messenger that kept that kept getting referred to as a general one time because he had all of these it like was just like epaulets and regalia. stuff. Yeah. And he was, and he was so well dressed. That's that so every, funny. Like, so like people treat it. So like the Americans would treat like French foot soldiers as like commanders because they all just had such nice outfits. That's so funny. And they all carried themselves and in that, that very was, French way. Right. And we were all like militia for the most part. Uh-huh. And, and just scraggling everybody Yeah, together. like farmer, a bunch of farmers. Uh-huh. And so they just thought every, like they thought they were all like That's commanders. So, so they would constantly funny. be misranking people in the French military. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so we, I love this because we already kind of launched into it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my my guest today is Cody Melcher and he's going to be, this is the tip of the iceberg for <laughs> the conversation that we're about to have about the American Revolution. Yes, the American Revolution and also the American Enlightenment. Love it. Time period. Because I, 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 like, I like to expand it because then that covers like pre-1776 or 1775 depending on where you want to pinpoint the revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even 73 actually. Some people go that far because then that's when you have Boston Massacre, Tea Party, etc. Sure, but, the kind of like inciting incidents. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but the American Enlightenment uh, would cover um, just kind of like, you know, uh, the founding fathers concepts and the thinkers and that kind of area. Cool. Like that whole, that whole like, you know, post-Baptist <laughs> like right. fire and brimstone American time period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's always, that's commonly referred to as the American Enlightenment. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. Uh, where do you think the origin of your love for this particular topic stems? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Um <clears throat> No one's ever asked me that, and I've never actually thought about it. I don't, I don't know, because like I've loved it since I was a kid. Uh-huh. I've been obsessed. Like, I mean, because my my middle, so my middle name is Alexander. Cool. Um, and that was because in middle school, my mother was between divorces, and um, I didn't have a middle name, and we were going for a time period where I needed a middle name for, to be like legally. Yeah, because like we were changing my name gotcha. from my from my ex stepfather. Gotcha. Uh, and we needed a we needed a baseline name. And so sure. I, we had rolled from one wedding, from one marriage to another earlier. So I was born Cody Melcher Lang, and then I was Cody Melcher Brandenburger, and then we were just Cody Melcher, but we needed a middle name. So my brother and I got to choose our own middle names. 
Nice. So he went with Nicholas because it was a family name. I went with Alexander because in middle school I was obsessed with uh, Alexander Hamilton and uh, Macedonian phalanx strategy. So Alexander the Great. I was going to guess yeah. uh, Alexander the Great. Yeah, it was That's a little amazing. more, to be honest, it was a little more Alexander the Great. Um, and then I was really obsessed with Marquis de Lafayette growing up for some uh-huh. reason. I, I, I'm really obsessed with the French and the American Revolution. It's a huge thing That's for a, me. Somehow none of this is surprising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. yeah. No, so uh, 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 side note, we'll come back on, uh-huh. on that tour. So I just went on a tour of basically part of the American Revolution. Cool. I, went, I went down to Williamsburg, uh, which was one of the last stops on the way to Yorktown, which is considered the final uh, big battle, battle of, the, mm-hmm. of the revolution. The, the revolution technically didn't end until two years later when the treaty was signed, but um, that was the big battle. That's when Cornwallis surrendered. That was mm-hmm. the big culmination of all of it. So I went over to Colonial, Colonial Williamsburg, which I can never say quickly. <laughs> Colonial Williamsburg. Uh, and then I went to Yorktown. And then I went uh, up to Pennsylvania to the Battle, the battle of Brandywine, the mm-hmm. Brandywine Valley, mm-hmm. um, which was the uh, largest land battle of the American Revolution. Huge loss for the Americans, but also kind of a general win in uh, because Europe um, saw that. And then like... That and then they had a follow-up battle in a town, and even though they lost both of them, the Europeans saw that as like a win, kind of of like a they have oh they've got a lot of grit. Like the Americans aren't just they're huge, yeah, and they're still w- trying. Right, kind they're of not thing. they're not they're not fair weathering this. Like sure. they're they're really in this. So if that, if, I, if, it, if they were going to back down, they would have from these big right. like attacks in battles. So those sense. were those were actually part of what got the French to finally join in on us. So even though it was a loss, it was a win. Cool. Um, which is what war is. <laughs> But uh, um, that is such a good point. <laughs> yeah. But on the way to Brandywine, I stopped off at Montpellier, which is James Madison's house, um, and uh, Mount Vernon, which is George Washington's house. And at Mount Vernon, um, they have the key that Lafayette gave to George Washington. It's the key to the Bastille after they stormed the Bastille on Bastille Day, uh-huh. July 14th. Uh-huh. Um, so he gave him the key, and it's the actual one's hanging in Mount Vernon at the bottom of the stairs. That's awesome. That George Washington put up. So I looked at the key. We're on a tour. So I looked at the key, and then I walked up the staircase, and I ran my hand along the banister, and I was just thinking about like all the people who have touched that banister. Right. And then at the top of the stairs is a giant painting of the Marquis de Lafayette in a room that the woman who's running the tour is telling us like the Marquis stayed there. <gasps> And I just started weeping I, openly. I got chills as you yeah. were describing all this. I started this. crying. I made everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I cried several times on this trip. I cried three times at Yorktown. Three, and I was on. Have a, you ever been to any of these places before? I, I went to Yorktown and Colonial Williamsburg when I was in middle school. That's kind of where trip. I'm coming from. Is yeah. like I did some of this stuff uh, as field trips. I've done some of this stuff as uh, family trips because I'm from the southeast and my dad is a huge, huge like uh, revolutionary revolutionary and like um probably a little more civil war uh, yeah. buff and like i've been uh, wanting to get more into the civil war i stopped up in richmond on the way mm-hmm. uh and did the civil war well right i, did, I remember seeing some of your like pictures yeah. and stuff from that i did the american civil war museum or the museum of the confederacy depending on which sign you were looking at right and then it, yeah they kind of like updated it away it, from calling it the it came under new management i believe and they made it the uh american, american civil, civil war, war museum. museum but it, re- it looked like it was originally started by people who were trying to make the confederacy like revisionists trying to make it look better oh sure yeah Uh, because there were some signs that were from the old museum that they had like put in for posterity Uh um, but had made clear it was the old museum and it was very much like (laughs) defending jefferson davis style 
Sure. Um, and then I went on the tour I, of the White House, the quote unquote White House, the illegitimate White House of the Confederacy. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, I, I grew up in a household where my dad uh, consistently referred to the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression. Oh, God. He's yeah. one of those. My mom refers to everybody up here as Yankees. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Texas. Sure. Um, yeah. So you probably went to Charleston. Which yeah. One of the biggest losses of the American Revolution. Uh, so funny story about God. We're just jumping. This is. I love it. This is, I, I like. I, I bubble with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charleston uh, was a big loss. Um, they refused the right to surrender to that general, um, who I always forget who it is, because um, it's not it's not Charles Lee, because Charles Lee was earlier, uh, and it's not. Um, I don't think it's Nathaniel Green. I'm pretty sure it's not Nathaniel Green. You it could actually be so the Fighting Quaker. I, uh, I, I get battles confused. I'm not really into battles so much. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I like anecdotes when it comes to battles, but sure. I'm not a big. I'm a kind of a pacifist, so I get a little edgy around battles. But that's really funny. It's hard with the American Revolution to not kind of follow them. Yeah. Um, that's probably why I don't like the Civil War. It's the Civil War is so bloody. It and is it's, very. And it, like my favorite war, uh, which is so. Oh, so <laughs> you should have seen. So sad. Him just like decom. <laughs> he was like my favorite war, and then like his whole body just yeah. like sighed as he realized that that sentence had just come out yeah, of his mouth. That's so bad. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, everybody loves World War Two because it's the easy war. It's mm-hmm. the it's the good versus evil war. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer World War One. Because it's a war of grays and a war of politics. Sure. Like most of that war is just political strategy and and political mess ups. Uh, yeah. uh, and like just not understanding certain aspects of like globalization and the concept of uh, my favorite thing about World War One is basically World War One is a mix of fear, a mix of we need a war because we haven't had one in a while and that's the way industry runs. Like it's old world meets new world. It's really World War One. And on top of that is also uh Everyone decided that empires weren't cool anymore, but no one told Germany. And Germany's like, guys, I thought we were just uh, we've everyone's, all we've all been doing this. Everyone's like, taking all the stuff they want. Yeah, Britain <laughs> literally just did this. Why is everybody mad at me now? Like that's like that's the whole war. That whole yeah. war is Germany doing what everyone had been doing for the past like hundreds of years, uh-huh. but they all decided it wasn't okay anymore, so and funny. no one told the Kaiser. That's because so they're all funny. related. Yeah, he was he was related to like he was. Queen Victoria's favorite grandson was Kaiser Wilhelm. Right. Yeah. Like it's crazy how much that used to be what Europe was. Yeah. It was just like a few families yeah. just all like passing stuff around. So that's the weird thing is that he's related to the British and the Russian like everybody involved in that war. Uh-huh. And it's like you would think now you could just like call them up and be like, Hey, <laughs> like we don't need to go to war. Right. Because the whole thing with World War One is it starts off um, and I realized I just I jumped into an anecdote in the middle of an anecdote. Love I do that it. a lot. Uh, uh-huh. World War One basically starts because Germany's sitting there and they're like, well, if the Russians start mobilizing, we have to start mobilizing. And the Russians started mobilizing because they were worried that other people were going to start mobilizing. And it takes forever for the Russians to get moving because there's a lot of them, but they're not very good. <laughs> and uh, and so because the Russians started mobilizing, the Germans had to mobilize and then they started mobilizing. So the Russians were like, well, good thing we mobilized. And right. then that's the war. That's literally the war. <laughs> And, it, and it's like now you just be like you call them up and be like, hey, no, no. <laughs> do we need to do We're this? Not. We're brothers. Yeah, Does this need to happen. Um, That's so funny. Send an so, email. So Charleston, <laughs> uh, they lost Charleston in the American mm-hmm. Revolution, and um, they refused the rights of surrender, which at that time was a, um, you know, just like the whole stand in a line and shoot each other kind of deal. Right. European rights of surrender were you, um, you play the uh it's it's real weird too you get to keep your guns 
you uh, you unfurl your flag and you march by playing your opponent's song. <gasps> like you, they just let you leave. Yeah, but and you, you march, have to like, play like their... the soldiers have to like yeah leave, and then you sign a thing and blah, and somebody and they present the sword and then that's it. Okay. Okay. They did not give that to Charleston, the British, because they were like, this isn't a war, it's an insurgency. Whoa. So that general was like, no, uh, I don't want to. And so then at Yorktown, when Cornwallis surrenders, even though Cornwallis wasn't that general, um, they refused the right of surrender. In the negotiation, the general who was at Charleston is at Yorktown, and he's like, no, you all wouldn't give me the right to surrender. We're not going to give you the right to surrender. That's amazing. So they had to give up all their guns. They had to keep their flag furled, and they had to play a British song. And that's where the rumor that they played The World Turned Upside Down, which is a British drinking song. It's in Hamilton. Oh. So it's a British drinking song. There's a rumor that that's what they played. Most people agree that they didn't. Don't think that's... Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, but it's, but it's a, a fun, fun story. But it's a fun story. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But... So uh, Yorktown was the major engagement of the French and the Americans. The French cut them off at sea, and the Americans cut them off at land. Right. Uh, with with General Rochambeau, who came over, because um, Lafayette technically was an enlisted American officer, um, even though he was French. So there. So the uh, so the British are marching out and throwing their guns down, and they're like throwing them down like super angry, like like teenager who's been caught Ugh. like caught out too late, and he's like, "Fine, you have my car keys," you know, right. like, and they are only looking at the French because the way the British are trying to play it off is that they're surrendering to the French. Oh, they refuse to like surrender they to, did the not lose to the Americans. Right. We we gave up because of the French, which is true. Uh, <laughs> that's and that's part of why I love the French in the American Revolution is that the French are the French involvement in the American Revolution is the true America. It like America really America is a country that only exists because of international aid. Right. And we have completely forgotten that. Like that that's that's a huge problem that I have. Um, and maybe this goes back to your original question and we can touch on that at the end of the anecdote. But cool. I, I hate that the the founding fathers, the concept of the founding of the country, all of that has been co-opted by one specific group of person. Sure. Um, and this idea. And this idea that the American Revolution is entirely a revolution that was fought by farmers and Thomas Jefferson with no one else and that and that like and it was just American pluck and grit because we would have lost. Yeah. If the French had not helped us, if the Spanish had not helped us, if uh if the Dutch had not helped us like so many different countries helped us, and the French especially. We would not have won the war, and if it had just been if our... it had just been us, and especially without the French, because mm-hmm. um, I mean they got us the help from all the other countries too. Like the Spanish helped us because the French king was brothers with the Spanish king. And was right? Like, hey, wouldn't this be great if we screwed over the British? And they were like, right. Yeah, that'd be great. And <laughs> yeah, like, chill. We're we're yeah. in. <laughs> and we repaid them by defaulting on all of the money we owed them. <laughs> And then throwing them parts of it and then like completely like the French king after it, even before the French revolution, the French king after it said, I think about uh, every time I think about the like basically ambassadorizing the quote, but basically every time I think about the American revolution, I regret it. And it's like, yeah, because we, we went, thanks, buddy. In the most American Bye. fashion we could have. I was going to say. Hey, thanks, man. And then we jumped in our Corvette and we drove away. But uh, so we're such assholes. Yeah. So they're marching out and they're only looking at the French and. The Marquis de Lafayette 
gets so pissed off that he because he's technically he's on the American yeah. side and he's well he also just loves America and so mm-hmm. he's mad that they're not surrendering to the Americans so he makes the Americans play Yankee Doodle suddenly and so it startles the British into looking at them that's amazing so Cornwallis is sick quote unquote I'm using air quotes for the listeners at right. home it's not podcast friendly <laughs> Cornwallis is sick, so he sends out his second-in-command to give his sword to Washington. So first, the dude comes out and tries to give it to Rochambeau. Yeah. And Rochambeau, and like, Rochambeau is like right, right-hand right aide jumps in the middle of them, and Rochambeau points to Washington. It's like, uh, no, you need to give nah, it to nah. him. <laughs> so then the dude walks up to Washington to give him the sword and explains that Cornwallis is sick and can't be there. And so George Washington says, oh, well, then I can't take that sword and calls over his second in command to come take the sword and then hand it to George Washington. Amazing. (laughs) Such a, like, oh, you want to do a power play? Yeah. All right. Such a a catty George Washington move. That's hilarious. uh, That you never really hear about. You never hear about catty George Washington. There's a lot of things about George Washington we never talk about. He had a leopard skin for his saddle blanket. Like, George Washington was flashy as a mofo. That's amazing. He was a Virginian. He was incredibly wealthy and flashy right uh, right and so yeah like but we always think of him as like this like really somber dude which he kind of was personality wise but mm-hmm. he if you've if you've ever like seen pictures of mount vernon or you might have been there because you've traveled I, a lot i don't think i've been to mount vernon um but i have been to a lot of the like um battle sites that you named yeah. and uh like colonial williamsburg and things like yeah, that. yeah it's great down there mm-hmm. um so george washington's dining room um let me think how i can describe it the color of George Washington's dining room, and I'm talking about like every wall of that dining room, <laughs> is the color of. Remember, remember, like t- a couple of years ago when Ford started doing hybrid cars. Yeah. And if you got a hybrid car, you could get a very specific color of green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That color green. That's so funny. Because that was fashionable at the time. Like uh-huh. the, the idea of having bright colored paints was like really cool. Right. So this, George Washington's yeah. dining room is the most garish color of green you could possibly think That's of. That's amazing. It's like, I'm not, not, it's like hot Kelly green. Like, like there's a, the, like those boxes that are over in that corner, yeah. which are not helpful for the podcast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Listening audience. But it's like, like Xbox green. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I was trying to search for a company that has that color. Xbox, Xbox is a good green. one. Mm-hmm. It's Xbox green. That's that entire so room. funny. I mean, that's current. It, right like, yeah pretty much yeah yeah pretty close enough i have a, a, a so i used to drink a lot of mountain dew when i was a kid <laughs> uh and uh i'm still it's still i'm still getting it out of my bloodstream <laughs> uh, but i have a mountain dew xbox that i got from bottle caps uh incredible it's that color wow. <laughs> like it's it's uh it's garish that's amazing it is a dark it's a, like a dark mountain dew xbox green that's so funny um but yeah i so yeah so going back to why uh-huh i think i've always just been really interested in like I'm always interested in like figures that are considered great and like kind of figuring out all the elements of them. Like I don't I don't like I don't like lionizing people or treating human beings as like above reproach. Right. Um, and I think also as I grew up and I de- dealt more in politics and I studied rhetoric in college and stuff, I think I also started getting just so angry about the concept of people taking away what america means sure because i mean on all sides i mean i i blocked a friend on facebook because we got in a fight about abraham lincoln like a week ago that's so funny because he just turned into a jerk about it but like i said um 
we were talking about like favorite presidents or something and i said and he said something about uh oh it was uh, I, I had made a reference to crying at yorktown and right. i was and because i was I, I posted a thing about like how dare you um say that because i'm like a weird queer comedian who lives in chicago that i'm less american i cried at yorktown three times today when was the last time you cried at about at the founding of the country american, yeah yeah and um, like I'm like I'm super American, and, and like people have called me un-American, and it angers me like boil with blood boiling because it's like I don't. A lot of the people who say that word don't know what that even means, like mm-hmm. what the what the actual concept of like America and the founding of it is, and like mm-hmm. in deeper, richer colors and darker grays and lighter grays. But mm-hmm. he he said he cried at Lincoln Mo- uh, Monument or memorial, and I said, oh, I'm 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 finally kind of starting to like learning to like lincoln more um because i i have a big problem with abraham lincoln uh with uh suspending the writ of habeas corpus which is i mean like and and the problem and the thing is is because he's abraham lincoln and it's like i get it i i really do yeah totally and and he's like widely considered one of the the best presidents right like one of the most well and i mean and i definitely uh, i obviously appreciate all of the positive stuff he did you know like keeping the union together uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, of course. Right. Like, I'm not a crazy person. Yeah. But in the same way that we, in 2010, didn't vote for Democrats in the Senate and House because we were mad at Obama for, like, drone policy and not right. and not closing Guantanamo. Yes. I don't understand why we're allowed to talk about Obama's drone policy, but we're not allowed to talk about the fact that Abraham Lincoln suspended the writ of habeas corpus for American citizens during the Civil War. Even if the ends justified the means, it's still, that's a war crime. Like, right. that's a problem. Right. And, and so, like, that's always... And so that, that's always, and I'm also one of those, I'm one of those kids that like, I don't, you know, like I liked Donald Duck because everybody else liked Mickey Mouse. Yes. So right. my other problem because is that because. Lincoln is like such an right, iconic. Because everyone ignores that so much and it's so, e- like it, it, it made, it made me buckle down harder on it. That's so funny. Um, And so, and I've started to kind of get rid of that, like that kind Stigma. of anger about yeah. that specific issue to kind uh. of, I've, you know, just like as I've gotten older, I've stopped picking apart language usage as much because language evolves. And sure. I think as you get older, a lot of pedants realize that like, oh, there's certain larger issues are what's more at play. Yes. You even know. the, um, I, I, in the last like year or so, uh, had to back off from, um, you know, when I was in ninth grade, when I learned the most like grammar that I did through school, it was like the most grammar focused year of English I had. We were taught to, if we were using, if we were referring to a single person to say he or she, which is like mm-hmm. a, a pretty, now I like have learned and like our language has progressed. So that's a pretty outdated, uh, right. uh, like stick thing to be a stickler about but it took like i would correct that like in papers or like copy or anything i would change any reference to he or she and now like i totally get why like we should just have you know be fine with using either like a singular singular Um, today i've refused to miss uh, to misgender a wasp <laughs> so i referred to it as they right and my friend was like did you just refer to that wasp as they and i was like yeah, yes because I, I didn't ask no if it's <laughs> yeah, or yeah it didn't, i didn't i didn't ask it so it's fine and, and i think that kind of thing is going to become more prevalent in language uh but that's something that even that that like <laughs> even i the <laughs> i realize 
mid-sentence I sounded like an asshole and no, that's something that like on a personal level yeah. I've had to just be like this doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> I mean like I'm one of the most pedantic people you'll ever meet mm-hmm. uh, like there's literally a meme going around the Chicago comedy scene that is a screenshot of me saying uh, am I allowed to cuss on this show yeah say whatever show. you want yeah. uh, of me saying pedantic as fuck on a Facebook post at some point so it's just a screenshot that gets circulated around whenever I say anything on that's Facebook so funny. that says Cody Melcher pedantic as fuck that's so funny but even I don't like when people correct people on spelling and stuff because it's like, look, did you understand what they said? Then that's right. fine. Yes. And on a personal level, like if I'm dating somebody, I'll like, I'll kind of let them know because especially like van then is really problematic for understanding, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, it's like, but the per- the point of language is to be understood. If you understood them, then there's no, then, then all you're doing is creating a side problem that's unnecessary. Totally in, agree. In this situation. And that's, we're having a conversation. There's no point. Mm-hmm. I, I find myself having to pick my battles, uh, yeah. uh, at work because this guy that just started, uh, working there is still like learning some of the abbreviations for things that are in the lab and mm-hmm. like, um, little things like that. And he'll swap things a lot. He swaps letters a lot. Um, and like, um, uh, uh, things like that. So I have to, um, I could probably, the problem is that I could be better about how I go about like suggesting a correction, but I'm bad at that. Like I am, (laughs) I think it's, uh, when I come off the most like an asshole is if I know I'm right about something and I know the other person isn't. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's it's hard not to something that I'm trying to be better about, but like, I've had to correct him because if he swaps certain letters, then it means a different thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like TEA in a chem lab is different from TAE. Right. So if he Especially says, if you're working in science. Yeah, that's a very specific thing. Yeah, so if he says TAE and what we're working with is TEA, then I feel the need to correct him. Right. Well, and, that, like, and that's necessary. Mm-hmm. But like, especially like uh i'm currently working on a book about facebook rhetoric oh that's and great <laughs> we'll see how it works yeah, out. yeah. <laughs> it's gonna totally drive me into an early grave but <laughs> i can't um, imagine yeah because like I'm, I'm getting to a point now where i'm like cataloging facebook arguments i get in because i'm oh trying to like cause I have to keep track of stuff that's... and sometimes i'll even engage in a facebook argument that i know i shouldn't really get engaged in because, because you're interested I'm, in I'm, i want to see what the end results are um, <sighs> that takes yeah that, that was, takes courage <laughs> that was today with a libertarian uh i spent oh, that's right. i spent, a, I spent <laughs> half an hour of my day today just fighting a libertarian who had no concept of government um, that's right but uh the uh and i'm not saying all libertarians don't understand government but uh but most don't and i uh, the it not does, all libertarians it doesn't work it's in a it's only in a vacuum uh so <laughs> the uh but like a big problem on like facebook or like social media in general especially is that it's it's so dehumanized and detached that you forget that there's like a person yeah and I so think you're just a, big, a huge problem on on the internet in yeah, general you're just so you're just like you're just arguing a point for no reason mm-hmm. and so like um like case in point and i hope this is an okay thing for me to talk about for that friend but uh, i'm not i won't reference any specifics sure but um so uh, a friend of mine on their Facebook was getting in a fight with a f- like a close friend of theirs, like part of their D and D group, mm-hmm. uh, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. And like that, and it was a, it was a very strong opinion thing about like mental health, kind of. And the person basically said, uh, "Well, if anybody if anybody can't handle this to this level, then they need to be in a mental institution." <gasps> and my friend was like. Um, I'm a little like I'm I, like answered the part of like the larger point, and then sure. was like, "I'm also." really offended because you basic because like i'm one of those people you and you basically to, just said i should i belong in a mental institution and then they came back arguing the points and never apologized for that and so then i posted 
still waiting for you to stop caring about being right and apologize to your friend for hurting their feelings. Sure. Like, and that's the problem is like, no one cares about that. That's yeah. not, you don't like, I, I used to argue everything on Facebook because I was I one of my favorite movies uh, when I was younger was Thank You for Smoking. It's the whole I'm not arguing for you. I'm arguing for them. You know, that's, that's really me funny. on Facebook is you're not you're, your debates aren't with the person you're debating. It's with the people who show up. Mm-hmm. I don't like miss. I don't like going on Facebook and seeing misinformation where somebody's going to stump stumble by and then take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. The, like I'm working on a whole show about that, about the concept of people not researching anything and they just run with stuff that they heard mm-hmm. uh, or saw online. Mm-hmm. And. So I, but I've learned to try to pick my battles on that. It's like, is it, or like, you know, you you find yourself in the middle of a fight and it's like, is me, I've said my piece. I've put in the information here. Like I'll show, I showed up to like, this article's wrong. I will post why it's wrong. Then I get in a fight with somebody about that. Is it worth me battling them into saying I'm right? Past that point. Right. Or should I just leave for myself, for that friendship? For you know, if it's not even if it's if that's not even a friend of mine, but it's on a friend status for the for the sake of my friend, should I just let it go? Mm-hmm. Because stopping doesn't mean that they're right. Mm-hmm. You've left the information there, and if we're talking about the concept of like it's for them, mm-hmm. then that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think so. I think part of so I think part of why I really like the American Enlightenment um, is not only that it was a really big time period of like of thought and ideas. I mean, it's a second Renaissance, uh-huh. uh, a third Renaissance, depending on how you judge Renaissances. But uh, <laughs> the, like, you know, it was, it, it, John Adams always said that the American Revolutionary War was not a war for independence. It was a war to assert our independence to the British because the war for independence starts with the Declaration of Independence, which declares our independence. The Declaration of Independence doesn't say, hey, we'd like to be free. That's really The Declaration of Independence says we are we free. We are free, period. So the end. war ends on July 4th, 1776 for independence. We're in, we are independent by that point. Then the battles are, a, are the British invading us after and we've us fighting them off because on on our home that's soil. That's really interesting. That's that was always John Adams' take on the American Revolution, mm-hmm. um, and and in that in that way, and and really a lot of Ameri- the American Revolution and and American independence and that whole concept, it was a war of ideas. Um, I mean, even internally, and so that's part of why I don't like people who take what what little understanding they have of the founding of the country the constitution in any capacity yeah uh and 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 run with it uh like people who uh another i'm i'm, I'm right another thing you'll know about me i'm writing too many books um <laughs> i'm also writing a book about the buying too many yeah. reading too many yeah, buy, writing too many tune in in three years when you can hopefully get one of them uh, doing a, a podcast about somewhere. too many yeah the uh <laughs> I'm working on a book about um, how the founding fathers are treated as a monolith. Um, when like people say the founding fathers didn't believe in this. It's all and it's like, grouped together. Yeah, it's like uh, you could if you can find 10 things that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams agreed on. Good luck. Yeah. That's, like yeah. that like the the American the American Revolution, the Constitution, everything in there is 
compromise mm-hmm. and not even just traditional compromise like we know it like real co- like like people gave up on issues in order to get other issues right 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 like it's not even like let's find a middle ground it was still the same you know we go through similar things now sometimes yeah. it's just like well not gonna get anywhere on that so let's just right. put it aside for now right there are there are plenty of things in the constitution where they just gave the whole thing to those people because we're not going to get anywhere if we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's not even, the, they compromised on it. They literally, the compromise was you get this, we'll get this. Right. And so there's some things where it's like half the founding fathers disagreed vehemently with that, but they needed this other thing to get through. That Their priority was this. Yeah. I mean, one of the lines in the show that I have in October that's about um, like rhetoric. You're and the a concept. one man show? Yeah, the solo show that I'm doing. It's called In Falsities. Oh, right. You told, yes. No, that's I'm fine. I'm supposed to say I solo. That, off. No, <laughs> I, I, that was to remind myself to say solo show because one man show sounds pretentious. Yeah. Not like solo show sounds that much better. But and also one man show, I think, brings about more thoughts of like... Leotard? Yeah. yeah like yeah. very like... Yeah. Uh, off, uh, off Broadway. Presentational. Yes, yeah. very off, off Broadway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lots of like hats and sweaters and things right. like that. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, like, and I shouldn't be worried about it sounding pretentious considering the show is called in falsitas veritas it's, uh. a, it's a latin title <laughs> and it's about politics and rhetoric uh and and it's it's called it's called a com- like the subtitle is a comedian search for the for the mystical being mythical being of truth if it exists where uh it's at under the gun theater cool. uh thursdays in october at 9 p.m um but uh one of the lines in that is the constitution is largely written by a slave owning abolitionist Right. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about America, right? The, the con, like the, the D- James Madison, the dude that is considered the father of the Constitution, father of the Bill of Rights, was a slave-owning abolitionist. He did not believe in slavery, yet he, for his entire life, owned slaves. Right. If that doesn't tell you what the country is founded on, I don't know what else is going to help you. Exactly. Like that one man that represents everything about the founding of the country mm-hmm. is just. It's like mm, holding we, different opinions at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. having to, and disagreeing internally and externally. I feel like Jefferson gets a lot of, um, like I don't know, heat is a weird word, but like <laughs> it, it, uh, uh, like in in current culture, yeah. um, I think we look to uh, maybe I don't know in my mind anyway, but maybe Madison kind of exists there too. But it's uh, you know for all the good things he did, he still owned a bunch of slaves yeah. and treated oh. them terribly (laughs) i i kind of hate's a strong word but i kind of hate jefferson um i'm way more of an adams dude myself Mm -hmm. uh and uh i mean like and i've gotten huge i've got okay this is where we are in terms of like like this is my problem with like lionizing people uh like we were talking about with abraham lincoln earlier Mm -hmm. i have gotten in fights with people about thomas jefferson where they will where i will say i do not like thomas jefferson and I and they will go. They will ask for reasons, and I will give. And I'll just say he raped slaves. And they'll go. But other than that, and I'm like, why is there an other than no, that? No, 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 no. That should be enough. I mean, I'm not saying that like I hate every slave owning founding father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a huge problem. You have to reconcile with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, especially Jefferson, the slave raping one. Right. Like that's an extra step. But I mean, Jefferson also, when he was governor of Virginia, did not help the soldiers fighting in the Revolutionary War because he wanted to keep the money in Virginia. So he didn't give them food or any assistance when he was governor. Yorktown would have fallen apart if Jefferson had been governor because when Yorktown happened, they had a new governor and he gave 
uh, provisions Relief. to them while they're waiting for like to in the siege. Whoa. If Jefferson had been governor, we would have probably had to back out of Yorktown. Jesus, because he refused to give any money to the soldiers. That's crazy. Fighting the revolution. Yeah. Jefferson also, we would have lost the War of eighteen twelve, which Madison was involved with, because Jefferson uh, completely destroyed the military because he didn't believe in a standing military, but. You also just can't rely on militias for the rest of your life. Right. He didn't believe in a military, but he also didn't do anything to make sure that the militias would be strong so enough. So he was like so uh, small government, like so small modern government, Republican, uh, li- like minded. Li- almost libertarian. Like, right. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Johnson just said um, like two nights ago that his favorite founding father is Thomas Jefferson. Oh, uh, and, and you it, were like, was like, of course it is. Yeah. He said the libertarian founder. I was like, yep, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas John Adams, maybe. Too federalist, uh, but, maybe a but, little too big government. But then they asked who his favorite foreign leader was, uh, and he couldn't think of a single one. That's a, uh, that was a problem <laughs> on so many fronts. First of all, and Angela Merkel is the obvious choice. I literally, that's the, the first whole, one. That is so funny that you said that because the whole time I was watching the video of him, uh, like saying that he was having a quote Aleppo moment, yeah. w- which is like just cringingly bad. Yep. The whole time I was watching it internally in my head I was screaming Angela Merkel it's like that's the most obvious that's the most obvious answer it's the most obvious answer and then there's and then his actual answer has three problems in it it's not a current leader well no one one it was a yeah it was the former president of Mexico which insinuates you don't like the current president of Mexico which is a problem if you want to be president that you just called out the current president of Mexico Mm -hmm. two he, he knew think. he couldn't remember Vicente Fox uh-huh. and did not have another leader he could have thrown in instead. Yeah. That his only option was to say former president of Mexico can't remember his name yeah. instead of just coming up with his second favorite. He didn't yeah. even have a second favorite that he could have thrown their name out. Uh, and it's uh, Angela Merkel. It should have been Angela Merkel. And three, it should have been Angela Merkel. Yeah, like that's just obvious. And then he says Jefferson. I'm just like, I'm out. And then Anthony Kennedy is his favorite current. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But so, so like, yeah, so, uh, you know, and like John, but like John Adams, uh, I mean, my favorite president of all time is John Quincy, Mm -hmm. um, who is a super, uh, John Quincy, John Quincy, if you want to get angry at America, (laughs) go back and look at John Quincy Adams, uh, and about the fact that he is not considered one of the greatest presidents or just like people in the history of America. Um, and, and also he is, he is the 2000 election. He is this election. Wow. Uh, John Quincy Adams lost to Andrew Jackson. That's in right. In his reelection uh, because he wasn't fun. John Adams too. John right. Adams lost to Jefferson because he wasn't fun. Uh, so we can go back to John Adams and we'll go to John Quincy. So John Adams, part of the reason that John Adams lost the presidency in his second term was he wasn't fun. Congress didn't like him. He rubbed everybody the wrong way. Because mm. uh, he wasn't. He wasn't a fun dude. I'll admit that. I don't, I don't need a fun president. The other problem with John Adams was uh, part of the job of the presidency was you were supposed to throw parties. <laughs> John Adams, but also at that time, you uh, were not, apply, you didn't get a staff. You, uh, you supplied your own right. staff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Think about who the two presidents who bookend John Adams are. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. When we're talking about that you have to supply your own staff, you've got a slave-owning Virginian, <laughs> a lawyer from Massachusetts who is an ardent abolitionist, <laughs> slave-owning Virginian. Who's going to throw the best parties? 
That's so funny. So John Adams only had two servants because he was poor and could only, he was paying them. Yeah. Whereas Washington and, and Jefferson like weren't. actually treat them as humans. Yeah. They, he was giving them money. He was giving them actual living wages. Mm-hmm. And like they'd been with the family for forever. Mm-hmm. Washington and Jefferson, I mean, you have to, they had to pay to feed the slaves. But other than that, oh, God. they're not paying their slaves. And, yeah. and Jefferson famously barely paid them, and like gave them enough food. Like, like he gave them enough to live because that's all you had to do. Mm-hmm. None of them were like living high. Like, right. That's why slaves had their own vegetable gardens because they had to go home and get su- supplemental food. So, yeah, but like they gave them that land. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> like, but they got, but they got homes. Uh, <sighs> they got roofs. They, they were better off, whatever. But so that was part of it was that John Adams didn't like throw parties because he had, he had two servants. He couldn't do anything. Like he didn't have, not only did he not want to, he didn't have the ability to. Mm-hmm. And so like, he just wasn't popular. Mm-hmm. That's the only, like, that's the major reason. I mean, he had some other stuff, but like his policy is pretty much on point. Mm-hmm. John Quincy, like more so. So John Quincy Adams is one of the most overqualified presidential candidates his first time running. That's right. Yeah. Cause he did a lot of yeah, stuff. He'd been, in he'd Congress. been in foreign offices uh, since he was 15. <laughs> like he was the ambassador to Prussia in his teens. Wow. So he comes into the presidency and isn't fun. Uh-huh. And Jackson is the fun dude Ugh. who's constantly bleeding into his own lung. Oh, um, God. And so Can you imagine what an asshole Andrew Jackson oh, must have been? Oh, I hate Andrew been. Jackson. I Can hate Andrew Jackson. Can you imagine what an insufferable asshole he must have been? So here's one of the big things. So John Quincy... Um, while on vacation, uh, like, well, it, was, it wasn't on vacation. It was like a slight detour while he was doing like uh, government business. Mm-hmm. He bought a pool table. <laughs> um, two problems. One, he accidentally bought the pool table on government salary. Oh, like no. he, he mm-hmm. like the White House paid for the pool table. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, at that time, pool tables were considered uh, the oh, gateway drug to gambling. Right. Yeah. We got trouble. So... <laughs> John Quincy the next day finds out that the pool, uh, the pool table had been put on the the tab, mm-hmm. pays out of pocket to the White House to so buy like, the pool table. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, pays for it. Jackson runs with that as if that's like the that, that's that's Benghazi. That was the Benghazi of the John Quincy Adams administration. That's so funny. It's this huge thing of him mismanaging funds. Okay, John Quincy Adams gets kicked out of the White House. Do you know what he does immediately after that? He runs for his old House of Representatives seat, gets it again, then lives the rest of his life out in the House of Representatives fighting against slavery. Yeah. John Quincy Adams died on the floor of the House of Representatives in the middle of an abolition speech. Jesus Christ. And we don't care about him at all. I remember now that you say that, that he's one of the presidents who just like, even after he lost, he was like, well, fuck. Yeah. I, that he almost like, he was one of those guys who was almost like more useful outside of office. Maybe not, uh, 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 maybe not like, um, because he could do more, but because like he could kind of like, he didn't, his like attention wasn't divided. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he wasn't tethered. I, I mean, I used to, this is a game I used to play with people, which is why I have no friends, uh, <laughs> where I would always postulate the idea that the presidency was the, was the, the lowest point or not the lowest point, but not the highest point mm-hmm. of every president's career. Yeah. Sure. And I would have to, tr- and I'd have people try to prove to me 
what somebody did that was better, like or, or, what, or, like who was a president where the presidency was the highlight of their career. Right. The only one really that anybody's been able to argue, uh, uh, the only two, there are two that people have been able to argue, and it's um, uh, Kennedy and Lincoln, and that's because they were assassinated. Like right. their post presidencies probably would have been pretty pretty solid. Sure. But pretty much everybody, their pre presidency or post presidency has been way bigger or yeah. more helpful. Right. Like, you know, look at Carter. I would literally the whole time you were talking, I was thinking of Carter. Yeah. Carter afterwards, Clinton afterwards. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Taft was the, the chief justice Supreme court got mm-hmm. way more done. Teddy right. Roosevelt probably got more done before his presidency than during his actual presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean pretty much everybody except for like the assassinated ones are a little difficult Yeah, because it's yeah. like, yeah, there's not really much they else peaked. going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they peaked hard. Uh, yeah. yeah. And some of them were just terrible presidents like right. McKinley. McKinley's highlight was getting shot because that was the most helpful thing he did for the country. But <laughs> took him out of sorry, no, so no offense to McKinley fans out there, but the, <laughs> the guy, the guy is responsible for Hawaii, uh, being a state in not a good way um, right, right but yeah so yeah that's but like john but like no one cares about john quincy adams and, and that angers me like i've read his diaries i i own a, like, he I own apparently an old has copy of his some diaries. of the most like well documented yeah uh, i mean his diaries are like yeah they just actually came out with a new uh release of them uh-huh. uh, like paperback so go check those out go on yeah. amazon um but uh, i have like before. i have like an old 1800s copy uh of his diaries and at one point in his diaries he's at an abolition meeting that's outside uh and it's all abolitionists and it's raining and he even notes in his diary how interesting it is that they're at an abolition meeting but all the people who are holding umbrellas for everybody are black <gasps> Whoa. Like that's that level of like ahead of his. Like he died in the middle of an abolition speech thirty something years before the Civil War. Right. Like he, and John Adams. Trying. John Adams was an angry, ardent abolitionist. And the founding fathers, like people talk about, like well, the founding fathers were all like slavery, blah blah blah. And it's like, I mean, even just Hamilton, which has been really helpful for me in trying to argue this point. Hamilton even points out that like Alexander Hamilton was arguing against slavery from the get go, and so was John Adams, who was a president. And people try to argue like, well, the country was founded with the idea that slavery wasn't immoral, and it's like it's in the uh, Declaration of Independence, right? The, in the earlier drafts, they say it. Now Jefferson, there's some discrepancy on that because Jefferson wrote the Declaration. There's some discrepancy that in the earlier drafts he put it in there because it all it says is the slave trade, and mm. so there's some people who believe that what they wanted to do, what he wanted to do, was cut off the slave trade so that and Americans not- would monopolize the slave trade and not the like British. That's interesting. Because then the only people who own slaves are the Americans, and then he gets more money because he has this rare commodity. Right. So people try to go so like, well, look, Jefferson of- didn't you know like slavery because he wrote this, and it's like. Jefferson was pretty cool with it. I don't think Jefferson really ever had that many twilights of, of his life where he was worried about his slavery. Madison did. Madison kind of, he went the wrong direction. His whole thing was repatri- repatriation where he wanted to send everybody back to Africa or give them like a colony away from everybody. Right. Because um, he was like still, still kind of racist. Native American reservation type. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, it was like a mix of racism and also um, uh, race, like war fears, where he was like, he was concerned mm. that they couldn't get along together after slavery, like slaves and masters couldn't live next to each other. So he was like, the best thing to do is kind of put them in another part of the world right. from each other, um, which would, which I mean, obviously it screws over the slaves more, but I mean, misguided, but you know, compared to being a slave owner versus that it's like well okay step in the right direction right everything in moderation i guess but john adams was angry like 
how dare you all own slaves? Who do you think you are? Right. Running around chasing cars. Just went yeah. full. <laughs> like that's like, and so like, I, and again, it's the gore problem. No one likes the nerd. Right. You know? And yeah, John Adams had his own problems. He wanted to create a social structure in America, like a court system where like certain people were of higher privilege in America than others. Um, as the internet grows, I agree with him a little more because his whole his whole thing was you shouldn't be allowed to vote unless you're unless you're educated, and it's like we saw how that worked in the Jim Crow laws in a bad way, right? But it's like yeah, but the way the internet's going right now, it's like yeah, maybe everybody's opinion isn't important. Like maybe we should have a system where it's like you know what you've like a checks and balances system of like you've proven yourself an idiot at least four times on this issue. You're not allowed to type it anymore. Yeah, like your computer just locks down your ability to type that word in. <laughs> Or something, or like I—I I don't know what, I don't know what has to happen. I don't know what kind of like—is it? I don't know if it's weird to use the word like intellectual revolution or like term intellectual revolution. Mm. Like something, there is something so disconcerting about living in an era where information is the most prevalent as it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And there are still obviously so many people who, uh, don't, um, can't, don't take advantage of that right for one reason or another whether it's they uh aren't privileged enough to have all of the same information that you and i do right um or had a bad education for one reason or another mm-hmm. but to me it's just like uh we live if we claim to live in a democracy then everyone should be able to vote one party is keeping people from being able to vote right right <laughs> end of sentence well it's all, yeah it's it's an education thing on several different levels uh so uh one big thing to remember is that people forget about all the time is that um Thomas Jefferson and James Madison worked together to create the University of Virginia mm. which is the the big pilot public school of mm-hmm. the country mm mm-hmm. Because their idea was, if you're going to have a democracy, you need an educated populace. Right. Everybody needs to be educated. Sure. They were they were the opposite of Adams, where it was like, Adams was like, take the educated people and they vote. They were, everybody's going to vote, so educate everybody. Gotcha. Everybody's forgotten that part. Um, the other problem is, is and, the, and I, I didn't mean this entire conversation to turn into my, my solo show, uh, but That's I so also talk about that uh, in so, the solo show. Uh, when Abby McEnany did my podcast, yeah. she was like in the middle of her solo show and the, the like topic was also close enough that it just kept kind of leaking in. Yeah. And then I subsequently saw her show and was like, wow, we really did talk <laughs> about like a ton of stuff from her show. Oh well, yeah. Like, oh, I mean like the problem is the founding fathers kind of leak into everything, especially with me. For years. Uh, for yeah. you, sure. Yeah, and well, I mean, just in general, too, especially if you can talk about, like, you know, America. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, the founding kind of, like, right. we, they, they created a thing that kind of changed the world. But and in this election, and, you know, as you've referenced, like, a couple in, in years, in recent years past, are so, like, become so entrenched in, uh, you know, talking about, like, the... I, American ideals mm-hmm. and like making America great again, right. quote unquote. The tea part. I mean, that's the angering part is like, I, it's I, I have a hard time being super American revolution happy and like American enlightenment happy because I get looped in with tea party people. Like mm-hmm. I bought a tricorn hat and it's like, yeah, if I wear that, I look like a tea partier and that's mm-hmm. not like, it's, it, it upsets me that my ideals and my, my thoughts are, are going to be 
misconstrued mm-hmm. because they've co-opted the concept of the the American Revolution, like the come, the co- like the don't tread on me, the come and take it, right. like all that. They just they've all co-opted it. It's all mm-hmm. one thing now. It's a mm-hmm. monolith, and that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, to go back to the internet thing, because I addressed this too in the show, um, my theory on it is um, it's like calculators. Um, so remember when we were in school, when you had to do like math and kids would be like, why do I need to learn this? I have a calculator. Right. And then especially as phones became more prevalent, it was like, I've gonna, I'm, I don't need to know how to do this multiplication in my head because I'll have a calculator on in my, my in my phone. Mm-hmm. So I don't need it. For math, that kind of works. For that kind of math, unless you're going to become a scientist or, you know, or some sort of design person or engineer, mm-hmm. don't, that's true. The, the argument holds up. Right. Doesn't work in the liberal arts. And so the problem is, is that everybody, I think people have become really lazy about knowledge because the internet is there and it's in their pocket and they go, well, if I don't know something, I can look it up. But the problem is, is that we don't, we're not investigative enough that mm-hmm. we don't, we don't know what, when we, even when we look it up, we're, we don't know what we're looking up or sure. where we're looking it up or who's yes. telling us the information. Yeah. And people don't understand that facts aren't facts. There's no, there's no real, and this is a, I, this is a controversial topic that I have a lot. Truth doesn't really exist. Uh, I mean, there are some obvious truths like, you know, this table is here, Mm -hmm. like things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's an obvious fact. Mm -hmm. But especially like historical facts, historical information um, like, uh, okay, and this is like this is a huge one for me um, in terms of misconstruing America, the founding of the country. And this will Mm -hmm. tie tie the whole thing back in. Love it. Um, Can you, Mary Beth Smith, tell me uh, what you, you would consider like the founding of the country, like the first like the first colony of America? What would you consider off the top of your head? Like, what do you think is like the birthplace of America? And then from there, we we snowballed into the American Revolution, uh, et cetera. Where would you put that? They landed, uh, is it Jonestown? Or? Okay, so Jonestown. Right. And that's probably because you're from South Carolina. Yeah. So a lot of people, and this is the problem we get with the separation of church and state, a lot of people put the founding of the country as, as the pilgrims. Right. In Massachusetts. And it's religious freedom. Right. Right? Right. And so, but then that's Chris, That's where we get Christian nation. Mm. And all of that is from that. Do you know where that comes from as an idea? Uh, the idea that the pilgrims are the founding of America. Because Jonestown is correct. Right. Um, but a lot of Southerners hear that. And do you know why that might be a reason and why generally we consider pilgrims in the Massachusetts? Pilgrimage. Do you know why that is? Something... I'm assuming it's something like textbook or like education related. Yes. Uh, and it's also, if I, gave you the, if I gave you the specific wording of, in the South, a lot of people learn that it's Jonestown. Right. But generally, we learn that it's the Pilgrims. Can you pinpoint a specific time period in American history where that might have changed how people are taught about American history? Uh, the Civil War? Yes. So after the Civil War, they basically, the like, culturally everybody was like well we can't have the founding of the country be in virginia oh my gosh it needs to be in the north that's crazy so educationally we i are, believe it yeah though. yeah because it's like because think about it the real founding of the country is it was a commercial enterprise that's so like, it was a bit it was a business move that's so interesting that and so everything became reframed as yep uh, starting in Massachusetts because the the like Northeast had to have enough of a stronghold. Because think about it. I mean, there is some truth to like that definitely led to a lot of like, you know, um, 
a lot of uh, like independent ideals and you know boston definitely is a big part of the american revolution everything but like think about the timeline jamestown's been there for a while before the pilgrims showed up right like that had been there it's jamestown yeah yeah it's king james brought the kings yeah yeah yeah, yeah, right like it's there Mm -hmm. like that was a whole other king ago Mm -hmm. and that's but that's not like that wasn't cool like we can't have it there which is weird too because like jefferson and washington are virginians yeah it's really similar to um yeah yeah but virginia does kind of get like ignored as the uh like nexus of america yeah um because of the civil war in general that doesn't surprise me at all i heard something recently and you you may very well know this uh because you're much more versed in history much more well versed in history and politics uh than i am but i've been listening to this great podcast uh that someone from the washington post has been putting out called presidential um and she's been like covering every u.s president from uh washington through obama leading up to the uh election and it's just been a really nice you know they're like 30 to 45 minutes long so you just like find out some interesting facts about uh each president um for each episode and uh she just did carter and uh she talked to someone who said that the biggest thing that was like the um the 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 biggest like starter for the religious right as it exists now was that uh during carter's presidency when he was about to run for re-election um the irs had declared that uh religious uh segregational segregationalist institutions uh could no longer be declared tax exempt Mm. So places like Bob Jones, that is in the city that I went to college in, yeah. uh, could no longer be considered tax-exempt uh, institutions uh, because things were moving in the right direction, you right, know, like right. because people were making the right choices and we were being progressive. Right. And the religious right was so angry about this one topic and uh, someone in the Republican Party uh, wanted Carter... Uh, out badly enough that they uh, rallied the religious right and um, behind this this topic and uh, forced them all into uh, Reagan like and and that was like the thing that lit a fire under that portion of the party and I was just like fuck like that if that isn't like institutionalized racism I don't know what is evangelicals used to not be against abortion and then they needed something to fight. And Jesus. so they, and so that became, there's a whole, you can watch the timeline of them rallying behind abortion. I mean, on, on my podcast, Home Foolery, we just did a book about raising your children, um, like, uh, like in God. And the dude writes about abortion. He's like, uh, I'm like, he's like, uh, it's necessary in these situations, and like, and it's just very pl- like very plain, clean cut. And this is a dude who like said, "Slap your child across the face if they disobey you." Fuck. And at the end so of the he's book, got some he's other got like fucked a, up. A, he's got the most even keeled abortion platform I've ever heard in my entire life. That is crazy. Where it's like you know, if it, if you cannot, don't. But if you need to, do. And right. it's like that was pretty much it. And yeah. it was like wow. And and, uh, that, and because thanks. it was right, that was yeah. in the sixties, right before that became an actual thing. Wow. Um, 
it's all yeah that, that that's and so this is like that's the problem that i have with modern politics and the understanding of american history and a history in general and just the world uh is the idea that like first of all the internet doesn't make understanding better because the internet is a world of blacks and blacks and whites right. like uh like and i don't mean that racially it sounded bad but uh uh it's hard lines you know you're right or you're wrong sure the and, like like oh god my my constant refrain on the internet is the uh, the enemy of the good is the perfect mm-hmm. this idea that you're not a perfect ally you're not a perfect this you don't i mean that's this whole election is this candidate is not 100,000% what i want which is what we don't what what one side doesn't like about the other side is exactly what they are right like the people that are like well hillary clinton isn't 100,000% perfect she's not ideologically pure so i don't want to vote for her those are the same people that don't like when Republicans say that, that too. Like, that's the whole Tea Party movement is that their candidates aren't ideologically pure. It's right. just in the opposite direction. Right. So we, but we're doing that on our own side with people, with our friends, where people are just ideological, there needs to be a purity of ideology. And there's a difference between like, this person makes me uncomfortable living. Like, you know, I've had to cut off some homophobe, homophobes sure. in my life. I almost said homophones, you know, <laughs> uh, stern and stern. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, but like the idea of like, you know, you know, you know, you want to make your life better, but you also don't, everything doesn't need to come down to you're right, you're wrong. Right. And similarly, this cult, like the cultural movements, there's this lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I was recently reading an article by somebody and I can't, I wish I could remember their name because I feel bad referencing their article without saying their name. But, um, who basically tied racism back to the Norman conquest of Britain huh? and the cultural ideal of like, these people are good, these people are bad. And it's, and so like, and th- so the idea was that at that time, um, French words became better words because he was trying to get rid of English. And we still carry that today. Like think about when you think of fancy words, they're all French. Yeah, sure. And when you think of not fancy words, they're all English words. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, similarly, culturally speaking, um, when you think of intelligentsia, when you think of the intelli- like the intelligent people of America, mm-hmm. do you put them in the North or the South? <laughs> the cities, for sure. Yeah, but like not even Southern cities. The fourth yeah. largest city in America is Houston, Texas. Yeah, sure, I'm sure, from sure. there. I tell that to people constantly and everyone's always surprised. That's so funny. Because they're like, what, really? Like, yeah. they don't, they just assume all of the big cities are in the north or LA. Right, sure. Um, yeah, we don't put, we don't think of Southern people as thinkers. We think of them all as dumb. Mm-hmm. When I moved here to Chicago, um, it was during one of the elections. Um, it was during the last election. And, um, or right before it, rather. People were like, oh, man, it must be so nice to have escaped Texas. Hmm. And I was like, you do realize that the Illinois Republican Party said that Rick Santorum was too liberal. <laughs> like homophobia yeah. exists everywhere. Racism, racism exists everywhere, which is something yeah. we're seeing now very starkly. Right. But this idea that like those people right. are dumb. Yeah. Like that accent's a dumb accent. Forget We're forgetting Faulkner. We're forgetting Capote. Steve Martin's from Texas. Like... There are plenty of intelligent people from the South, mm-hmm. but if you talk to people, even Southerners, oh yeah, they tend to think, oh yeah, Southern agrarian dumb, mm-hmm. North industry smart, mm-hmm. and that's all Civil War, baby. Absolutely. I mean, think about the American Revolution. The smartest dude in that room was James Madison, who was from Virginia. Mm. Jefferson, Virginia. Washington, Virginia. Like the Virginians got a power play because they were also the wealthiest because of the slavery. But, <laughs> but also, but Madison was there because he was the smartest dude. Right. You know, and then, yeah, you've got Franklin from Pennsylvania. You've got Adams from Boston, from Massachusetts, Quincy. But, um, 
like there wasn't that division of like the the South's dumb, North smart. Right. If you look at the presidents that get elected leading up to that point and their positions and who they were and stuff, it's not divided that way. Mm-hmm. And then after the Civil War, Everything it's all it's War. all dumb South, smart North. You know, and I'm not trying to like re, I'm not trying to do like reconstruction history where it's like oh poor South. I mean, you know, they had it coming, but it's interesting that that still influences us culturally absolutely it does on on every level even just our education and negative and positive ways because we have because some of the southern states control our education in not good ways yeah well one state texas my state controls education in a negative way because all the textbooks yep come from texas Texas. because we're the largest uh we're the largest uh, buyers oh right which is why libertarianism works because you should always let the market speak uh hello (laughs) boy uh it's funny when i i still tell people this a lot i I don't know what the numbers are now but when i was finishing up school in south carolina um south carolina literally in a, a a poll of some sort uh was ranked as having the 51st worst education in the country behind puerto rico <laughs> i think puerto rico may very well have not even been 50th like i think they might have been like 40 oh or sure 49. they're killing it uh but south carolina was yeah like worse than last yeah south carolina still has got some problems in education yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it's funny because uh as a result of that uh so i was in school um in college when um bush was in office and uh he was kind of doing a little bit of a farewell tour uh and uh uh, uh he his office got in contact with the governor's office, which was at the time Mark Sanford of uh, oh. walking the Appalachian Trail fame. Yeah, um, uh, I did that the other day. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, Mark Sanford was a graduate uh, or uh, an alumni of my university, Furman University. Oh, so, nice. so Sanford's office sent bush so bush's office contacted sanford's office and was like we're gonna speak somewhere in south carolina because you guys need the help (laughs) Uh, that was what they thought was like we're gonna send bush as a sitting president to do a graduation speech at a south carolina university so sanford's office was like send him to Furman. it's the best school we've got uh because it's you know generally considered the best like a private university in the state um and it was sanford's alma mater it made so much sense right um and so when they announced it at Furman, there was like an uproar because even if Furman was a school that um, had previously been Baptist affiliated, um, you know, is generally considered relatively conservative mm-hmm. as a university, it's still a university. Right. There's still a bunch right. of like a faculty and students there who were just like, no thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it really, it was like very controversial and it really, I think put a little bit of like, um, uh, 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 tension on the politics there at the school for like the rest of my tenure. Right. Um, because there, there, there was this big movement among the professors, um, that, uh, they all like signed this petition that said, we object. And like the W was like highlighted. I feel like I might've actually remembered that part. Yeah. We object became like, it was probably national news. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very rare for a sitting president to do a speech at a non-military right. university in 
in general, but that was like how bad they thought the education situation was getting in South Carolina. I do love the concept of like, oh man, education is getting bad in South Carolina. Let's send the dumbest president we've elected in since Reagan. Uh, Straight up. Yeah, like that's going to really help. <laughs> that's what they thought. Guy can't do pronounce it. simple words. Yeah, uh, yeah. He said nuclear yeah. the entire time he was in office. Oh my God. <laughs> nuclear. We need to fix education. I was hoping he would say that. Ooh. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird way to go about it. But yeah, yeah. yeah but that's um it's it's yeah it's all cultural inroads and like and so that i guess so i i I think i just i generally just like history a lot i've always been really into history in general Mm -hmm. um i'm tying this all way back to that first question i love it uh it's going to have ended up like sustaining us this whole time (laughs) which is kind of what the podcast is yeah uh, people are like what what kinds of things will you ask and i usually have a first question (laughs) and a last question (laughs) and i will have no that's why i don't often that's why i tell people like if you want to just come in and tell me what your topic is cool i'm going to ask you the same first question and the same last question it's a good i mean it's a good question nobody's (laughs) ever no one's ever looked me in the eye and been like why why oh yeah i don't know start yeah because yeah like my answer is like why not I think everybody should be really mm-hmm, into this mm-hmm. um, because I think I think you know knowledge really is is important uh, and 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 knowing kind of your own history and knowing I mean knowing American history is knowing your own history as an American mm-hmm. like that like you're you know as much as you want to like as much as people want to expatriate themselves or you know be a part of a global community and like I'm all for globalism but. You know, I'm also for tribalism. We create tribes. You know, I'm part of a queer tribe. They don't like me, but <laughs> but I'm a part of them. I, I'm allowed to their. I'm allowed in their clubs. They don't uh-huh. want me to be there, but I go in every once in a while. Um, you know, but like we have tribes of comedians. We have tribes mm-hmm. of the states that we grew up in. The mm-hmm. things that we like. These people watch this Netflix show. We all like tribalism. So like that's why I always nationalism i don't think is inherently bad nationalism is bad like the idea of like national like 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 we're better than you right is bad but nations i think are going to kind of always be necessary because it's too much to think like a problem that i have is that i want to read and watch everything mm-hmm. especially with the internet it's horrifying because mm-hmm. it's like i have the ability to watch every movie mm-hmm. i have the ability to read every book mm-hmm I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes I think about the fact that I will die and not have been able to do this. There's just no way. You know, mm-hmm. if you just stop and you just think about like, think of all of the atrocities that are happening right now in the world, right? This moment. Think about every bad thing that's happening. I'm talking about from someone getting mugged, you know, to, or, or someone even just like, not even the thing happening from a person to a person, someone tripping and falling really badly sure. to genocide. Think about all of that happening right in this moment, just this little pinpoint moment. You'll go net. You'll go nuts. Mm-hmm. It's the old Nietzsche thing. If you're if you're happy, you're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 as somebody who has major depression problems <laughs> and several different uh, like you know neurological disorders, you know I've got OCD, Tourette's. Uh, I, I've got I've got depression. Um, I've got mania. I've got everything. It's hard to just kind of you know put all of that together and be able to still move. Similarly, if we created one world government. It would be. I don't think that could really sustain itself. I mean, God, look at the EU. Yeah, uh, they can't yeah. even keep Britain around. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and for wrong reasons, but still, that like that's mm-hmm. that couldn't even work, yeah. and that's just one. They couldn't keep it around, and a big reason is because of like misinformation yeah. and like ignorance right. and not being able to look forward and looking back because it's seemingly easier. Right. Yeah. Right. It's all this, and stuff that was all. That's a, and that's a collection of like 
of similar countries. Yeah. You know? Right. Like none of, like we we didn't even we haven't even thrown Russia or like Australia or China into that situation where they're complete or some of the Latin American countries where they're completely different from that. Right. Those are all very similar countries and right. they are having a hard time keeping together. Mm-hmm. So the idea of globalism as like one nation under stars is mm-hmm. a beautiful concept, but I, but it, and, and I'm a huge Star Trek fan, mm. but I, I, it's just, but I mean, even in Star Trek, we have wars, we have nationalism, the United Federation of Planets, you know, goes to war with people that right. like, that's just ignorance still exists. There are mind. ignorant Star Trek captains, like there are people, you know, I mean, one of them's probably raping people. Mm. Uh, <laughs> like it's weird, you know? Cisco? No. No. <laughs> no, but Cisco does commit a war crime. Cisco allows a senator to be killed in order to advance a war cause. Shit. Which is one of the best episodes in the Pale Moonlight of Star Trek ever. <laughs> but he allows a Romulan senator to be killed to get the Romulans into a war because without because they should and he knows that. And wow. without them, they're not going to win the war. And it's for the greater good. But he allows a senator to be murdered for that. Wow. That's one of the reasons why I love Cisco because he's the, you know, I'm, I'm Picard as a person, but mm-hmm. I like Cisco. That's funny. Like when I play D&D, I play barbarians, but I would be a spellcaster or a paladin if <laughs> I lived there. That's really funny. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. But I like to dabble in you the like Getting mixed, outside of the, yeah. uh, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, you want to, that's, that's the whole point of, you know, like no one wants to play a human in World of Warcraft. Totally it's lame. It. Like, yeah. yeah. I want, I love watching sad movies yeah or though i see like you know yeah. i'm a i'm a, a fairly bubbly presence but like i love a good sad movie you want to get outside of yourself <laughs> right that's that's the whole point that's escapist culture exactly and so uh so it, it, but we all want that kind of like greater globe but like it's just difficult mm-hmm. like it's and, and because we are flawed people and mm-hmm. this is kind of the problem Going back to the Founding Fathers, going back to modern day, like that's the thing is like, why do I like the Founding Fathers? Because they're part of the greater tapestry. They're interconnected. They are the beginning of where we are now Mm -hmm. in both concrete and abstract ways. I mean, it was uh, uh, Robert Ardrey, I think it was Robert, um, who... uh, said you know like will what we be remembered by as a species will it be our battlefields and our graves or will it be our poetry and mm. our songs like that's that's a very short and bastardized quote but that's like we are we are monkeys we're apes <laughs> we, you know and 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 everyone should know that mm-hmm. yeah the fact yeah. that we can't even agree on that core essence of what makes us people who don't agree about that core essence like that's so true. That's the thing. We are apes, and so because of that, some of us don't believe that we're apes, but we are. And so, so true. That's you know, are we going to be remembered for our falls or for our rises? Yeah. Like, are we going to be remembered as the people who invented flight or the people who invented guns? Right. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so fundamentally at 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 the core of of everything that we've talked about so i can see why it kind of came back around to that because you kind of hinted at this earlier that like as human beings and i think this goes back to the the national versus global uh conversation too Mm -hmm. as human beings our brains want to quantify and uh you know um judge and perceive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all these things so that we can uh better understand the world because right. our brains are just struggling all the time to understand the world that we live in right uh so we have all these natural tendencies as a result of that and basically to me progressive politics and uh uh you know 
um, globalism and things like that will always be at odds with like general base monkey human nature. <laughs> right. I mean, because that I was just, uh, I was remembering something I, I, I used to say a lot and I need to start saying again, probably. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, othering is easy. Loving is hard mm. because loving is a two-step process. Um, because of that, that, that eight brain that you're talking about, your first thought is that guy's weird. Mm-hmm. The second thought is, and that's cool. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, and I uh-huh. accept that. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. not what I would do, but more power to you, buddy. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And if you look at a lot of our social issues, it's based off of the first thing and not the second step. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was gay marriage. Like if you look at polls, um, which is another thing people don't understand is polling and statistics. <laughs> right. um, but if you look at polls, if the question asked is, um, do you agree with same-sex marriage? A m- majority would say no at, 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 during most of the time. Mm-hmm. If the question was, um, do you think people should be allowed to be same-sex married? Like are they- people of the same sex? then the majority would say yes. Right. Because it, it's like asking, do you think, the, like, do you personally think it's good? People, there are some people would be like, no. But there are a lot of those people that would go, but I think it's fine for but other people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I would, I would, I would prefer it not happen. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's, but you know, I don't get everything I want. Yep. I wanted a pony when I was a kid, didn't get it. So I also don't get no same sex marriage. Right. And there are a lot of people that are in that boat. Sure. Um, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. is yeah i don't like you know and i'm not even saying love the sin or love the sin or hate the sin right that's not even that it's you know it's it's be fine with both yeah it's not your job like it's not yes it's not gosh. your job to love me if you want to love me then love me but you need to love me all together like that's gonna be the whole thing you know man but if you want to if you want to be in your tribe if you want to be over there that's fine but don't screw step over on my end yeah don't tell me that i'm not allowed to have an abortion don't tell me that i'm not allowed to get married just because it upsets you that sorry man like and- that's not not fine. And that to me is the most infuriating thing about the uh uh <laughs> the general Republican Party and the general like conservative movement um not movement but the conservative uh right in our, in our country is that it all seems so uh uh hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Is that it's it's a, a scream for small government and and um you know privatization but there's still all these huge pushes for like you said right trying to keep people from having abortions and trying to keep people from being able to get married to whoever the fuck they want which is uh, you know a battle that they lost which thank goodness and you know i'm hoping they lose a lot more of these other yeah. battles well they're still fighting the same-sex marriage one too right. which is weird right but yeah. it's crazy you it, know it's crazy that, that there's that many people in the country who think that like even though something has been so like right from the top down uh, right. uh, implemented that, that that's still the things that we waste time on uh, uh, in the government, which is the most like upsetting thing to me about right. all of it. Well, I mean, the Tea Party movement was ostensibly a libertarian movement that wanted to pass a bunch of social laws, um, which right. is the most anti-libertarian thing you could do. It just doesn't make sense. To yeah. Me. And I mean, and to be fair, but they all super love America and right. like, laws and the foundation of the country. So right. it just doesn't and make misunderstanding sense. amendments. But <laughs> the biggest, which is again, and, that, and that's another founding father thing is people who quote the constitution or the amendments, the bill of rights, et cetera, mm-hmm. and haven't 
read the Federalist Papers right. that aren't aware of, who didn't read Madison's notes on the Second Constitutional Convention, who aren't even aware that the Constitution was our second government after right. the Revolutionary War. Right. Like, literally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just spitball, but I'm probably right. I'm going to say that most of the people who, who talk about the Second Amendment uh, on the pro side uh, are unaware that we had a confederate, confederacy of states before the Constitution. I'm going to, I'm going to, Bet a lot of them don't realize that the Constitution was our second government. That's really. That's called the Second Constitutional Convention for a reason. Right. Uh, but like, it's all context, right. and and so and so. And, but I like. I also don't want to like. I don't want to throw it all because again, uh, and I'm not. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to gotcha. But uh, no, please got but me. Like, I know I got it's very not, like political. No, there. but it's like. But it's like. It's also like. It's not. But it's not all just the Republicans. Sure. Because like you know everybody's doing it mm-hmm. and that's the thing is it's like that's because that's kind of the issue is even for good it's hard to not other people right because like that's and that's something i fight all the yeah, time I just othered a whole bunch of people yeah and yeah. i mean and i do it too i do it all the time mm-hmm. I, i'm doing it right now mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I, I i'm at least i'm othering myself from a bunch of people currently sure. while i'm talking and uh the this is a thing i always fight about with people uh like friends of mine where they talk about like Oh, well, you know, like homophobia and racism will end after all these people die off. And it's like, if you, if you treat institutional racism and homophobia as if it's like leprosy or tuberculosis, where like, well, if we, if we just we quarantine just everybody and let them die, that these aren't viral things that can infect anybody and everybody anywhere and that their ideas and that people can be cured. Like we treat pe- we treat people who are racist or homophobic or who have you know or, or who aren't even that extreme. We treat those people as if they're lost. I mean, that's the backlash of Facebook rhetoric of like Facebook arguments is people say like, well, there's no changing people's minds, mm-hmm. and it's like that's not true. Mm-hmm. Like they got to that opinion somehow, mm-hmm. and and if that is true for certain people, then we need to change their mind about changing their minds. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think that um, I've learned uh, a lot over the last like year or so that really the that the, I I actually totally disagree with that. That like the only way that we make progress that I disagree with the idea that like uh, there's no changing people. Mm-hmm. I truly think that the way that we change people is by being close to them and caring enough about them that we want them to change. Right. As opposed to writing people off and saying, you know, well, they're wrong and they're never going to be right. Right. As opposed to trying to go like, well, I actually see the situation pretty differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're willing to talk to me about it, I would love to, you know, uh, maybe change your mind on something, you know, and I'm, I'm not advocating everyone going around and just like, right. You don't want to be insufferable. Right. But right. yeah, the, it's a twofold thing. One, it's the problem with the internet it dehumanizes conversation, mm-hmm. so people aren't getting emotionally affected by people. They're not exactly. They're, it's not. It's not about my friendship with you. It's about this greater removed issue. Mm-hmm. And two, this idea that is not only wrong, um, but uh, but is also problematic. This idea of like, well, politics, you know, used to be less angry. Like, why are <laughs> why is why are politics so ang- like why are you getting so upset about this? And it's like, well, yeah. A, politics may have seemed less angry um, because when it used to just be straight white landowning dudes, the biggest problem that they had was war and taxes and property rights, Like, right. which is, you know, no you can get angry about that, but it's not that, but it's not as much as like my rights 
um, right. you know, my humanity. Uh, we're not arguing about that. And right. those people don't have a voice here. And also, politics uh, uh, have never been civil. Uh, I own an English uh, parliament sword, which is the length of the distance between one side of the House and Parliament to the other side of the House of Commons and Parliament, so that when you drew the sword, it wouldn't stab your opponent immediately. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, uh, literally so that yeah. you couldn't stab someone across the aisle. <laughs> I believe it was I believe it was Sam Houston who did or was uh, beaten with a cane. Uh, he either beat somebody yeah. or somebody beat him yes. with a cane uh, outside of Congress because they got in a fight. I know what you're talking about. The American Revolution, the Civil War, those are all political skirmishes. Right. Like, the fact that this weird idea that politics has only recently become angering is weird to it's me. It's the same thing as people uh, incorrectly thinking that, like, police brutality, specifically against people of color, has, like, come out of the woodwork. Yeah, it's uh, such it's a like, new thing. are you... F- fucking serious yeah. no it's just because everyone has a fucking camera in their hand right and people who you know the vast majority of our country myself included who didn't couldn't have had any concept of how bad this problem was are being faced with it now right, right. So i mean we're this forced is... to talk about it because we're f- we can see it now right and this is the problem and this is the importance of visibility that we're talking about and the idea of continuing talking because this is the thing we are not fighting for our rights and independence. Those have already been declared. We are fighting to make it clear to everyone else that they are that they exist, that we are independent, that these are our rights. That's awesome. We have them. It's, that's a it really goes back to the declaration. Gorgeous full circle. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's the that's the I rub. didn't even think about the repercussions of that when you expressed it in terms of you know the declaration versus yeah, the, the war. actual war uh but man it really does feel that way huh mm-hmm. holy shit it's a, it's a war of ideas that's crazy and that's and that's the american enlightenment <laughs> that's awesome that's the whole thing what a that's a really that's <laughs> a really incredible full circle man i feel like only another person who uh hosts podcasts could have done that with me. <laughs> could have like taken that journey because i'm not good enough to do that with someone who like isn't good at this uh uh so is is there anything that you feel like uh you love so much that um you you know coming into this you feel like you'd be remiss if you didn't spend at least a you know mentioned it on on like if there's something like in the revolution or in the enlightenment that Mm -hmm. specifically really um you grasp onto but we haven't talked about it yet Oh man, like, I know it's a hard like, question. Yeah, there's like so much. I'm trying to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, we could have yeah. spent so much more time talking about this. Oh, I could. Yeah, I could go on about the revolution for forever. Um, oh, let, okay. Uh, I'll give you two. Okay. Um, one, the pin that I've been writing with during the podcast is a pin that was uh, from a. It's made from a tree that was planted on Mount Vernon during George Washington's lifetime. Fuck yes, that's, so that's awesome. One, love it. Two. Um, uh, the Marquis de Lafayette uh, had to go talk to Congress at one point to, uh, in order, like during the war, in order to solidify, um, like, re- like, re- like supplies for recruits and things like that, and to kind of like it was a big political move where the Congress wasn't supporting Washington, and he had to go to Congress. And while he was at Congress, Washington got involved in a huge battle Whoa. that the La- that Lafayette missed out on, uh, and Congress gave Lafayette a medal. Um, uh, for and I'm I'm loosely quoting what the the, the what the proclamation for the medal was. It was a a, a service medal uh, for denying the valor of combat. 
Oh my god! And, per- and like personal, um, like personal, like um, uh, I, you know, like uh, dignity and uh, and and glory on the battlefield because because he had to go talk to them That's and didn't get to fight so in the battle. Funny. They gave him a medal as Dang. like a sorry bro. Dang. Because he was so angry that he didn't get to be in that battle. That's crazy. He also at one point they sent him up to Canada to conquer Canada. Uh huh. Like the Marquis de Lafayette. I they, feel like I vaguely remember. Yeah, that, there was yeah. another part in the, rev- the other part about the revolution. People don't realize is that, that a lot of people in Congress didn't like George Washington, mm. um, and like they wanted him out. He almost like got kicked out as commander in chief, um, and uh, so they were trying to like kind of destabilize him. So during the winter, they sent the Marquis de Lafayette up to Canada for a failed attempt at conquering Canada, and he came back. Uh, having not conquered Canada, but he did become an honorary member of a Native American tribe oh my who gave him a name that that meant like a uh, great warrior or something. Cause he like, That's he, so the Marquis de Lafayette is like the Teddy Roosevelt of the American revolution. That's so funny. Like just weird dude who just did a bunch of crazy. I mean, he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like after the battle of Brandywine, he gets shot in the leg during the battle. He refuses to like they're retreating and he's forcing everybody to keep pressing forward. He gets shot in the leg in the middle of it. Doesn't care. Just keeps trying to fight the British. One of his aides sees blood gushing out of his leg and makes him at least get on a horse. Oh my God. He keeps fighting. Then finally retreats. And like, it's considered one of the reasons why they, they didn't have as many casualties in Brandywine as they did, which were already a lot. Uh huh. And then he has to recover in Pennsylvania, staying at this um, I, Moravian, I think is what the, the sect is. This basically like, basically German, like, uh, like Puritan Germans, basically, uh, house to recover. And so like, uh, and this is, this is uh, referenced in uh, um, Sarah Vowell's book about Lafayette, which is great. Gotcha. I highly recommend it. Lafayette <laughs> in the somewhat United States. Um, he's a teenage french catholic living with older german <laughs> basically puritans like like you know puritans meet somber like uh-huh. just not like that and that's for like for a year so he eventually goes crazy wraps a blanket around his leg jumps on a horse and joins the battle again like oh he get, he rides he rides to meet up with washington just so and get so out of that house like that while he's still like he's still <laughs> wounded that's awesome yeah he was cool marquis lafayette was a great dude that's so and awesome. also uh one of the things i found out on my tour uh in madison's house when lafayette so lafayette came back and did a giant tour of america and like they made like th- that's what the book's about kind of cool and so like they made this whole it is like parade and everything more people showed up for him than like the beatles by like tenfold no way yeah like that's awesome. when he arrived uh because he was like the last general of the american revolution right it was this huge deal right at James Madison's house, he told James Madison, if I had known, regarding slavery, if I had known that American independence didn't mean independence for everyone, I would have never helped you. Holy shit. I think I've heard that before. Yeah, I hadn't I heard know, that until the tour at Madison's house. Maybe in that presidential podcast, actually. Okay, yeah. Um, Man, that's... Yeah, I heard about that for the first time at that tour at Madison's dense. house, and I was like, damn. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Because yeah, he freed a slave during the American Revolution, uh, James Lafayette who took his last name he was a so he was a spy uh for the in in uh yorktown uh he pretend he was cornwallis's like uh the, in 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 hamilton they make it um hercules mulligan i oh. think to try to make things easier but it's actually james lafayette i don't really know that much about hercules mulligan but i believe they're referencing james lafayette interesting he was 
uh, Cornwallis's like servant who was a spy for the British. Cool. I mean, for the Americans. And then right. after the war, Lafayette freed, uh, bought him and freed him. Gotcha. And uh, and so he took his last name as, after the man who freed him. That's awesome. Yeah. How do you, so I know you're a big Hamilton fan. Uh, yeah, that was a confluence of, of like, oh, these are two things I really enjoy. Right. Yeah, it worked out. Is yeah. that Has that been a fun thing for you to kind of be able to like uh, have, like it seems like more people want to talk about the revolution now because as a result of Hamilton. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm going to be honest, it's like a it's a it's a positive negative situation. That's that's kind of yeah. why I wanted to ask you about it because I figured there were It's great because it's made it's made it's great because it's made the work that I'm already doing more popular. Cool. Right. But also makes it look like I'm trying to ride the coattails yeah. of Hamilton, even though I've been here for years. Like, uh, I have a play coming up in November that's called Star Spangled Sitcoms, Huzzah and John Adams. Um, where right, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's Cheers and, and Frasier set during the Boston Tea Party. It's two-part Cheers episode set during the Boston Tea Party with founding fathers instead of the characters. And then the uh, first Thanksgiving at the White House under the Adams administration with all the characters replaced Founding Fathers. That's great. I wrote Huzzah years ago. Mm-hmm. And we put it up, like, I put it up like three years ago in Chicago, just that one for two weeks. And mm-hmm. then I wrote John Adams later. Mm-hmm. And like, we're kind of putting it up now because we're hoping to kind of ride the like, sure. it's in Chicago now, big right. deal. But like, I yeah. wrote that a while ago. But right. people constantly talk to me as like, oh, so were you inspired by Hamilton? And it's right. like, I mean, I was inspired yeah. to put it up. Like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. kind of, I mean, the Nerdalogs just did a similar thing this year uh, where we, uh, we remounted a show that Katie Johnson-Smith wrote and put up a number of years ago um, about that's like Full House related. Yeah, uh, And okay. people were like, oh, did you do this because of Fuller, Fuller House? And it was like, well, we did kind of purposefully like look ahead and realize that Fuller House was going to be coming out and Katie did want to put the show back up. So it, you know, it made sense. Right. But From a production she did standpoint. this years ago. Yeah. Um, and so that's the problem. It's like every time I do anything American history related, which is like pretty much all I do, it, it's gonna be tainted for a while with you did that because Hamilton went gotcha. went well. Like I'm already working on a show for next year. I want to do a two man show about James Garfield and Charles Gateau, the man who assassinated uh-huh. him, um, and about the idea of mediocrity uh, as a positive thing. That's great. Um, and uh, I know that right now the, the working title. I always give myself a working title just so I know how to reference it, like sure. and stuff. Is uh, waiting for Gateau, but uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, it's probably not going to be the actual name of the show, but. Uh, that's good although it would be a pretty good name but that's um, good but like i know that people are going to compare that to hamilton sure. too and, right. and i and i am writing that one after hamilton but i mean i've been obsessed with james garfield for f- a long time sure so it's like yeah i don't know so to answer your question positive and negative sure. it, it is it is nice because hopefully it will get people to care a little bit more about what i'm talking about it seems like it but yeah it does suck that it's like i now seem like a bandwagon jumper right you know so this this part of this uh question actually really uh gorgeously dovetails into Ooh. what i'll ask last which is that uh how do you feel like your <laughs> and you've already kind of answered it in <laughs> a lot of ways but how do you feel like your love of uh the american revolution and the enlightenment really uh influences you creatively and your life in general oh man i think yeah i think everything for everything like yeah. you know I mean, because it influences everything around me. Sure. Like the entire, right. I mean, obviously, as yeah. is evidenced by this conversation, right. we spent just as much time talking about like current events as we did right. uh, I mean, the, the revolution. The American Enlightenment, it's almost impossible to argue that the American Enlightenment isn't 
responsible for the world that we live in in huge ways sure you know um in positive and negative ways mm-hmm. um and especially as americans mm-hmm. uh and um and then yeah i mean and then creatively it infl- the my love of that time period is what influenced me to get really into rhetoric and cool. me getting really into rhetoric and specifically and my that's professor what you went to school for yeah I, I did that and I did f- screenwriting and um, my, my my rhetoric professor Trish Roberts Miller in the University of Texas is one of the people I, I give the most credit to my career for um, she was uh, she just she taught demagoguery and teaches other things um, there but that was the class that really kind of opened my eyes to like dissecting dissecting things and looking at like terrible arguments and like and by terrible arguments i mean like bad arguments and bad arguments like evil arguments that's interesting yeah and um and so that's really influenced like my comedy the way i view the world everything so it's like yeah i don't so like the american enlightenment is everything yeah so it's hard to even it's hard to parse it out yeah Yeah. uh, the question is and they got fun outfits they got fun outfits right sure which is which is also obviously a uh uh yeah i want i wanted to well well, first of all i was gonna wear my tie i bought a tie that is uh the that is the uh, key to the bestial at mount vernon it has like the pattern all over it that's perfect but it didn't work with the outfit i'm currently wearing Uh and then i was i bought a gorget at um yorktown which is that little brass plate that goes like around the neck kind of yeah Uh, i was gonna wear one of those because i I bought it so that i could wear it over suits like right below the tie knot love it um but but it doesn't have its own ribbon and i couldn't find my ribbon Uh in my apartment (laughs) because it's a wreck uh so yeah i was gonna i was gonna have a whole thing that's great uh, because i have a show after this and i was like let's go for it your uh stars yeah oh yeah i bought that on the trip the uh, yeah i have a uh, i have a red white and blue backpack that's all stars yeah checking it out baby yeah man i love i love this country in (laughs) in a non in a non-aggressively overly patriotic way that's the you know like that's the thing it feels weird because like Uh i I feel like i can't even be like patriotic about my country because there's so many negative connotations to that has become it's so tainted yeah i think you know you know what make america great again make america great again let's do it yeah let's bring back america yeah Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I mean, so I think there's no better way to to close this out than you saying <laughs> "Make America Great Again." <laughs> uh, it was a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Cody. I Thank love you. you, and I mean that. Yeah, I love you too. Baby, how you feeling? This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit Patreon.com/Nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.